Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another Destiny Changing Word by David Entry from one of our Revival Seeking Youth Services. If you want to control your world, catch the word. Be blessed. To be a Christian, all it requires to be a Christian is to repent, believe in Jesus, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. That was possible. Makes you a Christian. The full Christian uh, birth experience is to repent. Two, to believe in Jesus, that He's the Son of God, He's God who died on the cross to save us from our sins. Three, be baptized. After you have believed that Jesus died for our sins, you baptize to identify with His death, burial, and then resurrection. And then, Four, you receive the Holy Spirit. These four must happen for the complete Christian birth experience. So if you haven't been baptized, your Christian birth experience has not been completed. Now, you don't start with being baptized. Ho, ho, ho. You don't start with being baptized. You start with repentance. What shall we do? Acts 2, 37. The 38 said, Peter said, Repent. Repent. Today's Bible reading in Acts chapter 5, verse 31. After God raised him and made him prince and lord, or prince and savior, to give repentance and forgiveness of sins. Repentance and forgiveness of sins. In Acts chapter 2, chapter 3, verse 19, Peter said, Repent therefore and be God. Look at verse 18. Verse 18. But, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ will suffer, he has thus fulfilled. So all that about Christ has been done. And so what? Christ suffered, so you repent. So after all the death, the burial, resurrection of Christ, he says, what should follow? Human beings must repent for what? For forgiveness of sins. What does that mean? Your sins must be forgiven. But God cannot look at you. Do you think it's right for me to present this certificate to her when she hasn't been baptized? No. So is this baptismal certificate? In the same way, forgiveness of sins must be Can I say that again? Forgiveness of sins must be earned because that cancellation cannot be arbitrary. Um, your debt is forgiven. You cannot be a citizen by accident. That's lottery, American lottery. That's for green card, right? But in UK, if you want, if you have to be a citizen, there are conditions. Someone cannot come and say, Citizen, no, doesn't happen like that. In the same way, forgiveness of sins cannot be arbitrary. It must be earned. Some, some basic conditions must be fulfilled for forgiveness of sins to be gained. What are the conditions that must be fulfilled? The debt of sin. Sin 
is indebtedness. When you sin, you are owing the justice of God punishment. <laughs> Why must someone be punished? Because God's law is perfect law. If you break the law, what is the point of a law which when you break, you will not be punished? Why do you need a law? Why do you need highway code? If you can drive anywhere, drive any side of the road, and police stops you, why are you driving? So I just feel like it's okay, then go. Then why do we need a law, highway code? Now, if you drive on that side of the road and the police guess you, why are you driving? I didn't know. They'll still have to punish you. There will be penalty for that. You will go to court and they will give you points and a fine. So what's the point of a law which when broken will not have punitive implications? What's the point? So then, when we break God's laws, it has punitive implications. Number one implication is our relation with God is severed. So when Adam and Eve sinned, God came to the garden, they were running away, they couldn't have. And God said, what did you do? You ate this. He, he sacked them from the garden. So the relationship with him was never the same. But they, they were meant to live. The only way a human being can live is by God. If you live godlessly, you will die like a childless chicken. Satan will whack you. So, so sin, forgiveness of sins must be end. On what grounds? The debt must be paid off. But the wages of sin is death. To pay that's according to God's law now. Okay. To pay for the, the debt you owe because of sins, the payment is you must die. Because in Ezekiel, it says, the soul that sinned must die. Wow! Ezekiel 18, 20. The soul that sinned, what happens to it? It shall die. So, when you sin, you are meant to die. So any sinner is owing the debt, D-E-B-T, of death. D-A-T-H. D-E-A-T-H. The debt, as we say in Lagos, the debt. The debt, eh? debt of sin leads to death of the sinner. So you want to pay the, the debt of sin, you must die. So Jesus, who is himself, he doesn't owe you anything. He says, instead of you dying, let me pay the debt for him. So on the cross in John chapter 19, verse 30, 30, he died on the cross and he said, it is finished. The, the, the uh, Greek, tetelestai, what is finished? Those days, when you are owing and they take you to court and you can't pay, the, the creditor has a charge, a certificate of charge against your life. He can come and take your children, can come and take your house, or like, like, like bailiff, kind of. And then sometimes you can come to a payment agreement. When you finish paying, the creditor is supposed to give you a certificate. Oh, and then it will be nailed in public place and then paid in full. 
paid in full. So when anyone who is related to the debtor, or sorry, the creditor, wants to mess up, I've paid in full. So it is nailed on the doorpost or somewhere, paid in full. So when they nailed Jesus on the cross, he said, paid in full. Hallelujah. That's what the English translator said, it is finished. No. He rather, Telestai, paid in full. So then anyone who comes to, paid what? The wages of sin. So he paid for the wages of sin. And then when he finished paying, he, he went to the grave, conquered death, and got up and came back. And so after he was raised, Acts chapter 5, verse 31. Now, that's what I was talking about. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel. And for, If he hadn't exalted him, you couldn't give repentance. So, Acts chapter 2, again, sorry, chapter 3, again, verse 18. It talks about how, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of his, his prophets, that Christ would suffer. Why would he suffer? Because of sins, right? Why did he suffer? Because of sin. Whose sins? Not his sins, because he was sinless. Your sins, my sins. He suffered for our sins. It's clear in the Bible. He said, Christ suffered for sins. It's in the Bible that Christ suffered and he died for sins. Wow! He died in First Peter 3, for Christ suffered once for what? Why did he suffer? For sins. Now, so the suffering on the cross, ow, they were beating him, nailing him, they were kicking him, spitting on him. All the suffering was because of your sins. An innocent man. Why he say he's innocent? Because the one who sentenced him to death said, me, I find no fault in him. <laughs> The one who sentenced him to death said, listen, I find no fault in this man. This man is faultless. This is a typical, typically clean man. Behold the man. He said, if you want to look at, if you want to know how a man should look like, John 19, verse 6, he said, behold, verse 5, behold a man. Verse 6 says, I don't find fault in the guy. But yet, for your sake, he said, I should crucify him. Then he washed his hands of his death. I can't endorse his death. But I'm, I'm authorizing it. But I want you to know that I'm free of his death. Because this is a perfect man. So he's not, he didn't die for his sins. He died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. And he suffered for our sins. And so after the suffering, Acts again, Acts chapter 3 verse 18, as he fulfilled what the prophets have said that the Christ would suffer. Christ has fulfilled it. He's fulfilled it to the letter. That's why you could say that the last time. I finished, I finished fulfilling it. Then what else? Look at the next verse. Repent. Did you see that second word there? The second word there? Therefore. Again? Therefore. One more time. Therefore. Do you know you can swap the first and the second word and it doesn't change anything? Therefore, repent. It's been done already, so now you can repent. And be converted, change. Ah, did you see the, the next statement? That's your sins. That your sins will be what? Do you know what it means for something to be blotted out? It's blasted out of existence. It doesn't, they search, let anyone go to heaven. 
and take heaven's comprehensive computer and type the name of anyone who is born again and type and see if there was any record of your past since there. It's nothing there. <laughs> Hallelujah. He brought it. He said, repent. Uh, repent therefore and be converted that your sin will be, will be blotted out so that times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Your sins need to be blotted out so now, now you, are, you and God are fine. Blotted out. Blotted out. It's a serious thing. Anyone who is born, who is born again, if they, anyone manages to take the computer of heaven and check on your history, your history is so perfect. They'll be confused. Ah, but I have pictures, earthly pictures. Van Gogh's computer said this guy has been an angel for all his life. I preached a message some time ago that sin is history. Sin is not current anymore for the believer. It's history in small sense. Whatever sin is, God doesn't can. It's, it's, the, it's the problem of, the, of history. It's gone. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 18 also. I think 18, 19, somewhere there. Therefore, not even the first commandment dedicated with Abraham. Let's go to 19. When Moses has spoken, spoken every, every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of cows and goats with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself. Let's go to the verse 20. Saying, this is the blood uh, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. The next verse. Um, then likewise he sprinkles the blood both on tabernacle. All right. Then verse 21 says, For without, according to the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. What does the next verse say? Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things he had been, okay. I think at chapter 10, this is chapter 9, chapter 10, Verse 19 says, let's come to God in a living way. <laughs> I like it, you know. <laughs> Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holies of holies, how do you enter now? By the blood of Jesus. Why do you need to enter there by the blood of Jesus? Because it, the blood is a cleansing agent. Okay. The blood cleanses our sins. That's why you can come. Do you know what holies of holies? Holies of holies is the most exclusive place where God dwells, which no human being can just enter. Now he said, let's come boldly. Those days, the high priest can, goes there once a year. So the, 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 the tradition of the law was that once a year, somebody would go to the holies of holies. So in the, the tabernacle or the temple, they had different sections. They have the outer courts and the inner courts. Now, the inner court had two chambers. We have the holies where the priests go and uh, present shoe bread and candle, there's candle, the table of shoe bread and incense is there. So uh, the first part which had the lampstand, the table and the shoe bread, okay? It is called the sanctuary, which is the inner court. But behind that one, so there's a veil that separates no door, it's only veils. In the tabernacle, they didn't use doors. They used veils. All right, Jesus Christ's flesh was the veil. So now look at, behind the second veil, so you need the first veil, you have to go through the first veil to enter into the 
inner courts. But then when you enter the inner court, there's another, it's like you have entered here and there's another door there. But that's a veil. And that one that behind the second veil, okay, so he said, um, behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle which is called the holies of holies. And that place, only one thing is there. Which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid, overlaid on all sides with gold, describing how it is. Overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pots. Inside the ark of the covenant, there are three things. The golden pot, the, the manna, and Aaron's rod that budded. Three things. Okay. The, the, the golden pot that had, sorry, the golden pot that had the manna. I'm sorry about that. The golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of, you know what table? Ten commandments. Tables of the covenant. Ten commandments, instead of putting on the notice board for everybody to read, God said they can't keep it, put it in their box. <laughs> put it in the box that signifies my presence. So they will always remember I'm a God who deals people based on law as well. Wow. But they can't keep the law, so now there's a problem. And I'm dealing with you because I'm a God of justice, of purity. I have systems and laws. You can't just walk and come and say it doesn't matter. It matters to me. And then Inside the covenant, they cover it with a lid. The lid is called mercy seat. So every year, now that, that is making sense now, every year, the people, the priest, once a year, the priest will take an animal and according to God's program, slaughter the animal, take the blood. The animal must be perfect, must be blameless, spotless, not sick animal like some of you, your offerings. Not sick animal, not animal that is one leg is. <laughs> it must be a perfect animal. And there's oven there too. This one I don't know about the oven, please. In <laughs> They're cooking there. <laughs> All right, so once every year, they'll bring the animal, slaughter the animal. He'll confess all the sins of the people. Mm -hmm. The two go to. One is to be released into the wilderness for animal to eat. He takes the sin of the people away. And the other one, they slaughter, and the blood is presented. Where is the blood taken? They take the blood and put it on the message. The lid of the ark. What's in the ark? Three things. Not shoebread, please. The pot, golden pot of manna, the Ten Commandments, and the rod of... What is the rod doing there? Because if you study the scriptures very carefully, how did they come by the rod? People were rebelling. It's just, is he the only leader? Is he, God said, let's sort out this nonsense. Korah said that we are also leaders. Why are we following only Moses? Why is it that what Moses says, why is Moses the only one who is always preaching? Why, what kind of church is this? Why, why must it be? Why is it the of God? God said, this nonsense people. I, I know so. so God said, these guys are rising up against Moses who I'm choosing. And God said, tell, Moses, tell them, all the congregation of Israel, those who are near them, tell them to separate themselves. <laughs> separate themselves and those who stand near them, they, are, they, they have to blame. Separate yours. It's in the Bible. Numbers. So, so 
they, chapter 21 or so, or chapter 9, I forgot. So they separated themselves. And Bible says that the earth opened. And number 16 instead, yeah. The earth opened its mouth. And swallowed all these people. Swallowed. But at that time, if you are a priest, you are given a censer to offer incense. So every priest, like the way here, a police officer will have a uniform. And I think they normally have their badge too. Okay, so they give you a badge to operate. That, that's your authorization from the queen. That place too, when you're a priest, they'll give you a censer to burn incense. So when they are rebelling, God said, let all of them collect everybody's censer and uh, let them bring censers. And then those whose incense will not go up, it shows you have not chosen them. And then after that, when they didn't work, they opened the earth and swallowed them. And then God told Moses, bring all their censers and bend, beat them into one uh, item. Then afterwards, he said, now all the leaders, 12 tribes, all the significant leaders in the 12 tribes, every tribe, one leader, let them bring a rod, dry wood, rod. Everybody bring it. And then let us leave it in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. And God said, let's give it overnight. When you come back, whosoever rod has suddenly sprouted, budded, sprouted, produced ripe almonds overnight. Oh. Think about it. Overnight, the rod, what's a rod? A dead wood. They left it before the Ark of the Covenant. And it says that, verse 17, and Moses placed the rod before the rods before the ark, uh, uh, before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness in the building. Before the Lord means before the ark. Look at the, now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted, has put forth buds, had produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds, four things. Overnight, the rod, the dry wood, has sprouted, has brought forth bad, had produced blossoms, or had produced blossoms, and yielded ripe almond, ready to eat. Wow. You are making yourself a leader in church. Does your rod produce almond? Wow. Can your ministry feed anybody? Wow. Please, you're only talented, doesn't make you a leader. Spiritual leadership is about feeding. What can you produce to feed somebody's spirit? First Corinthians chapter, Second Corinthians chapter, chapter, um, chapter six, verse three. He said, "You are our the evidence of our epistles." Tatabashakata, you are making yourself some spiritual person. Show us the proof of the fact that God is using you in the life of others. He said, "You are our, our chapter three, rather. You are our epistles written." In our hands, known and read by all. Go to the, I, don't, I want the verse three. Verse three. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the Living God. That's Christianity. What's, what kind of Christianity are you trying to project without Spirit of the Living God? Wow. Spiritual thing. So we have written this. So the true ministry is the one that produces genuine Christians. Produce genuine Christians. Wow, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> people are just confused. 
They just want to be religious. It's not Christ they are looking for. It's religious to mass, religion to massage their ego. That's when they think others are not spiritual enough. You are not spiritual. They don't talk more about sin. Sin is the Pharisees. The Pharisees, sin is about what you are wearing. Sin is about how you are sitting. Sin is about how long you are not fasting. Sin is about how when you are praying, you didn't close your eyes. To the extent that one person invited Jesus to come and eat, he watched Jesus if Jesus would wash his hands before eating. Jesus didn't mind. He ate. And his disciples were. And he was surprised that they ate with unwashed hands. A certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So they went and sat to eat, sat down to eat. The next verse. When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before. He just didn't wash his hands. And the, what the, he was shocked. Look at the next verse. The Lord said unto him, Now you Pharisees make the outward, uh, make the outside of the cup, okay, make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. That's Pharisees. They look very perfect on the outside, but inside, huh, huh, huh. That's why Jesus said, Whichever of you is without sin, let him cast the first stone. So, leadership, spiritual leadership is about feeding. So overnight, Aaron's rod has sprouted, budded, blossomed, and produced. I mean, it's the ripe almond. You know, almonds are edible. How many of you eat almonds? Yeah, it's nice. Almonds are edible. Ripe almonds within two, a dead wood. So what does that mean? God was saying that it's Aaron that I have chosen to be the leader. All those who are making noise, that was after the rebellion. All those who are making noise, who does Aaron think he is? Who does Moses think he is? God swallowed them and he said, let's settle this matter for all. And do you know what, why I brought you to this? And when he produced that rod, so he showed them that who, because they said, whoever rod will bad, he's the one God has chosen to be the leader. Now, Aaron, Aaron so he said, okay, and it shall come to pass, uh, so it shall be that the rod of the man who I have, uh, uh, that's God talking, who I chose will blossom that I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel, which they make against you. Do you see that? God said, they are complaining about your leadership. I want to rid myself of such people. Wow. Think about it. God said, I will rid myself of all these things. I don't want them around me. Let's, let me appoint the leader so I can rid all this nonsense. They complain against you. Who is a leader? Go and read it. You see the way they're complaining. Moses said, are you not happy that you have given me made a leader? You are not happy? You from your house, you. That's not enough. Now you want the main thing. You are complaining against us. They said to the children of Israel, why are Moses making themselves like God? Moses and Aaron, they behave like they are the only leaders God speaks to. Yeah. Aaron, uh, chapter 16. Korah, he says a bad thing. So God said, let me settle this once and for all. Bring me the rod. The rod that will bad is the one I've chosen. And guess what? After the rod budded, what happened? God said, Open the box, the Ark of the Covenant, and put it in the Ark. Ah! And the Lord said to bring Aaron's rod back before the, the, before the testimony. That's the Ark of the Covenant. To be kept, watch this, to be kept as a sign against rebels. Wow. Against those who rebel against spiritual authority. He said, bring it, add it to the Ten Commandments, and manna, put it in the Ark of the Covenant. 
What is scary is God said, I want to rid these people of my presence. So bring a rod, I'll let the rod bud. And after the rod bud, he said, bring it and put it, and put it in the ark of the covenant as a sign against what? Rebels. rebels. Be careful how you befriend rebels. There is a permanent sign against them in what contains the presence of God on earth. The ark is inside it. People don't know the Bible. He said, I will read myself. He said, and I want that thing inside as a sign against the rebels. When I saw it, I said, hey, it's not safe to be a spiritual rebel in a church. That you might put their complaint, uh, complaints away from me, lest they die. That's how serious God takes rebels. Wow. Uh, every day, they say we are going to outreach. Why? The preaching is too long. Rebels! You are in the choir. Every time they bring a song, say, I don't like this song. Oh. Do, we have to, do we have to wear this headband again? We will, we will, have, we will wear your wig again. But unfortunately, some of us, because of our, bra- our background, every, your house is a house of rebels. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm just naturally speaking. Yeah. Your sister doesn't respect anybody. You know what? It's, you know, you, you, before you became born again, you don't respect anybody. You look at your mother and say, you push your mother away, just walk. Your mother has always been afraid of you. Your father has been afraid of you. In the house, everybody knows you are the notorious person. Yeah. El Chapo. Yeah. And guess what? That's how you have grown up. Now you have become born again. But you see, that ability is still there. Ability to be a rebel is still there. You've come to church. That's why ushers cannot show you where to sit. You are, you are a good person, but you haven't realized that you have been skilled. The way you've been brought up, you have been brought up as a rebel. But there's no future for rebels. No, not, never in government. Nor in education, nor in church, nor even in football. All right, let's go back to uh, sin, debt being paid. So he says that put the rod in the ark of the covenant as a witness against, not for, against. That's a God said, I need something against some people. Put it in the ark. Well, so when you look at the Ark of the Covenant, there are three things inside. Number one is what? I think you should remember the rod first. Number one is what? The rod. Number two? Huh? The tables or tablets. Okay. Yeah. Ten Commandments. And number three? The pot of manna. It's a reserve sound. That one don't eat. Take bit. Take part of it and put it in the Ark of the covenant for me. And that act of the covenant signifies the presence of God amongst his people. So wherever they are going, they carry it. They carry it. One day it was going to fall and Uzzah tried to help it. God killed him. Don't touch, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't think you can help God. So when you go into the holies of holies, so we have the outer court and the inner court. The inner court has two chambers. So from the outer court, when you are going to the inner court, you go through the veil. Now from the inner court, when you are going to the holies of holies, you go through another veil. 
And when you get to the holies of holies, that's where you see the Ark of the Covenant. Now, when they kill the animal and they take the blood, the high priest once a year enters the inner holies of holies, innermost court. Once a year, human being goes there once a year. Why? Because that's where God's presence is. Because of sin. So, and then when the, the um, high priest is going there, the high priest, they wear gowns and they have bells around their feet. So when they are walking, you hear, so if a high priest is coming right now, you know he's coming. Yeah. Some of you, you have aunties who are not high priests, but when they walk, it's like, <laughs> it's like a giant is coming. So the high priest, <laughs> The high priest will go, and when he's going to the holies of holies, they tie a rope, a big rope to his ankle. So he goes there, and what does he go and do? He goes to present the blood, blood of atonement. That means that sin has been paid for by a goat or by a, a, a bull. So the blood comes and puts it on the lid of that ark. What's inside the ark? Manna, Aaron's rod, and the tablets. It's inside and it's covered by a lid. And the lid has got, it's like two symbols of angels with their wing crossing like that. So it's called the cherubs. The cherubs, they are guiding angels over, it's in Hebrew chapter. And above it were the cherubims of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. What's the mercy seat? It's the lid, it's not a chair. The mercy seat is not a chair. It's just a lid that covers the, the Ark of the Covenant, in, inside which we have the manna, the commandments, and the rod. Inside it. And then the lid is called the mercy seat. And at the edges of the lid are angels whose wings overshadow it. So the high priest with the blood will go in and then put the blood on the lid. It's called the mercy seat. How many times? Once a year. So when God sees the blood, it means that something has died. Something innocent has died. So on the basis of death, he can suspend the death. Does that, that make sense? So he sees the death of the goat to for some time be able to sidestep the sins of the people or the death of the people so he can be dealing with them favorably. That was what the blood was used for in the Old Testament. But according to Hebrews chapter 9, which we were reading, okay, so now let's pick it from, let's go to the next verse. Now these things have been thus prepared now, when this is the high priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing services. Seven. But into the second part, you know the second part? Yes. The inner one. The, the, the high priest went how many times? Once. Who does he go with? So if he goes and he has sinned, he hasn't confessed the sin, he will die. Now, who can go and bring him up? So when they hear that the bell is not ringing, the man is not coming. So they, pull, they have to pull the rope out. You can't go there. Because only high priest goes there once alone. So to be a high priest in Israel was a big post, better than prime minister. 
and better than a king. Because you are the one who represents the people before God. A high priest, to be a prophet was also a very important part because you represent God before the people. You speak on the behalf of God to the people. And a high priest, you speak on the behalf of the people to God. And you present, their job description is clear in the Bible. Acts, uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. For every high priest taken from amongst men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God. You are not a high priest if you are not dealing with God. And two, you must be a man or a human being taken from amongst us. All right, that's why Jesus can, couldn't have been a high priest before he became a human being. Because a priest must be a human being to represent human beings. Now, look. Um, Taken from amongst men, appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and what? Sacrifices. What sacrifices? Sacrifices for sins. That's his job. He speaks from amongst men and appointed by God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Look at the next verse, very interesting. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself also subject to witness. That's why they have to pick a human being. An angel cannot be a high priest because he doesn't understand your pain. He doesn't understand your sexual feelings. A human being, when he sees that you have erected, he says, oh, high priest, he says, oh, don't worry. I know what it means to have erections. I'll pray for you. <laughs> Angels, they don't have that. So they won't understand. So someone to represent you, your federal representative must be like you. So first rule of thumb is a high priest. Oh, guys, you can sit down. Ah, I started preaching too early. I've not actually started preaching, but I was going to give certificates. But, 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 but uh, we just flow, isn't it? Is someone getting something? So, it must be from amongst men to offer gifts and sacrifices because, and he will have compassion on people. Why? Because he himself is also subject to these problems. Human frailty. Look at the next verse. Is it not exciting to hear this? Because of this, <coughs> he is required as for the people so also for himself to offer sacrifices is not only the people, he himself too. So the sins of the people are many and high priest is supposed to offer sacrifices for sins, for himself and for the people. He said, God, oh, ah, God, Shebi, please, this is the sin for myself first, for himself first. And then for the, look at the next verse, verse four. No man takes this honor himself but he who God has called. Don't say, don't make yourself a spiritual person. Don't make yourself now a leader. I'm also going to start KOC. Uh, uh, let God appoint you. No man take this honor for himself, except the one God has pointed like Aaron. Then he says, so also, wow. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become a high priest, but he was made uh, but uh, it was he who, made, uh, who said unto him, today you are my son, today I have forgotten him. So that's high priest, okay? Chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. Chapter 8, verse 1 to 3 says that, now this is the point, uh, this is the, point, the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand 
of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected, not man. Moses' own was erected by man. Jesus Christ, there's another one in heaven. That one God respected. And Jesus is a minister in that sanctuary. Wow. So Jesus is also a minister. You can call minister Jesus. <laughs> yeah. In a true heavenly sanctuary. <laughs> the next verse. <laughs> For every high priest is appointed to, do you see that? To, to offer both gifts and sacrifice. Therefore, it is necessary that this one, who is the one talking about? Jesus. It's necessary that Jesus also have something to offer. That's interesting. Go to the next verse. For if he were on earth, he would not be a high priest. Since there, were, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law. But on, that's on earth. So he didn't have to be a priest on earth. That's why he wasn't born a priest. Because he didn't need that. There are a lot of people who are doing that job already. But in the heavenly one, there's nobody. So that's why he became a high priest. Let's go back to the chapter 9 so I can... I can't finish. Uh, uh, I like Hebrews of Asda. Hebrews takes the Old Testament and explains it with Christ. Now, by the second bill, the priest went once a year alone. Not the process problem. You dare not go there without blood. That's a serious one. You dare not enter that place without blood. Why blood? Because blood means that I'm coming to pay debt. Death for who? For myself first, uh, sir, for myself, and then for the people. You dare not go there without blood. Even if not for yourself, mm. the job of a high priest to come into the holy place is to offer sacrifices for sin, blood. So what are you coming to do here? Wash your blood. You have broken protocol. So watch this. But into the second part, the high priest went once, uh, alone once a year, not without blood, which... He offered, watch this, for who? For himself and then for the people's sin which they committed in ignorance. So he has to take their blood for himself and for the, ah, the people I'm representing. They cannot come here, but I'm here on their behalf. Me too, I'm just like them. So like people, like priests, my own first too, and then for them. Look at the next verse. This is all about the holies of holies. Is it not interesting? The Holy Spirit indicating that Indicating this, that the way to the holies of all was not yet made manifest whilst the first tabernacle was still standing. What does that mean? That means the time Moses them were doing those things, the way into the actual holiness of God was not ready. So they could be using this. Use this temporary to, to use blood. It's, it's, it's like mimicking what original is going to be. But so you go there and present blood. You go, all those high priests, they were not original. They were shadow. Shadow secretary, shadow home secretary, shadow uh, uh, chancellor, shadow prime minister, shadow whatever. All those things, they are not the real one. Mm. Once you hear shadow home secretary, it means that there's a proper home secretary. The priests, they were all shadow. That means there's a proper priest. Mm. The original one whose job is in the heavenly sanctuary. How can you appoint somebody to go to heaven and go and serve there? (laughs) No, it can't be. How is he going to do it? So you only appoint them to do the earthly ones, to to mimic the heavenly one, so that God can still relate with his people until the appointed time comes. So let's look at let's look at the. Is someone learning something? The Holy Spirit is in the key. Okay, let's look at the verse nine. 
It was, did you see that? Am I lying? It was just symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regards to their conscience. They are doing something that could not cleanse them thoroughly. It will make their sins look like it has been paid. But him, in his heart, he knows that this thing he has not taken care of. But well, it looks like it's in pain. So, ah. Said they were doing it. Why? It's because it was a shadow. It was symbolic. It was not original. Even though it had some authenticity. Is someone learning something at all? I'm just teaching you Christianity. Well, let's go to the next verse. It's getting exciting. Concerned only with foods and drink, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. The time of reformation, that's the time of Jesus. So all those things were going on. I'll show you. Look at the next verse. It's getting heater, hotter. You are going to like it. I'm telling you, I promise you, you will like what's coming. Look at it. But Christ, back, say by Christ. He came as high priest of good things to come. With a greater and a more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation. So you see how he has just opposed Jesus' work. See, he showed you this one is earthly, it's just made by man. Now Jesus came for a better one. So these ones were symbolic. These ones were shadow. Now Jesus' own is the real thing. So you can't compare it. Now look at the next verse. Look at this. Not with bloods of bulls and goats. That's the blood that the high priest would take into them. Jesus is going to the tabernacle, not with the blood of animals, but with... Shout hallelujah! He goes there with his own blood. There is a problem here. How can you present your own blood? Because you need to die to get the blood. You need to die to get the blood. So when you die, you can't present it anymore. That's why the high priest can't go with his own. <laughs> he can't go with his own blood because he's we a dead man. So he had to go with another another's blood. But Jesus Christ, and watch this: the blood that you present must be blameless, must be pure, must be spotless, must be faultless, and must be holy. So the lamb they use will be inspected to make sure it is faultless. So that's why Jesus was also inspected by Pontius Pilate for him to give the certificate that he is faultless. Now what is the beautiful thing is he, Jesus Christ, died. They killed him. He laid down, he didn't die, he laid down his life. Because he needed the blood. So he laid down his life on the third day, he got up and he collected his blood. Hallelujah! 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 He collected his blood and now went into the tabernacle not made with hands. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. He went into the actual holies of holies. That is why in Matthew chapter 27, verse 51 to 53, Bible says that he shouted on the cross, Father, 
Jesus cried out with a loud voice. You that are the and what happened? Look at the next verse. Behold, the veil in the temple. He said, the stone. God said, I don't need this one anymore. The veil that was separating the holies of holies from the rest, it was torn because God said, freedom. Do you understand why Jesus had to resurrect? Because if he hadn't resurrected, how would he present his blood? So he laid down his life, shed his blood, picked it up again, and now for the first time, God said, you are high priest. After the order, not of Aaron, but after the order of Melchizedek. And he goes to the holies of holies, the actual tabernacle in heaven, not made with hands. And sit down, sit down, let's see. Let's, let's look at the text. Now, so not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place how many times? Once. Do you know how they were doing it there in the Old Testament? You got it. They were doing it once every year, once every year, once every year, once every, why? Because the thing was not perfect. So you have to keep repeating it, keep repeating it, keep repeating it, because it wasn't authentic. That's just like MOT, thank you. Just have to keep repeating it, keep repeating it. But Jesus' blood, watch this. Bible says, did you see the last two words there? It's an eternal redemption. It has an eternal effect. Not a temporal effect, oh oh. It has an eternal and enduring effect. So Jesus Christ, when he, uh, he went there, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Let's keep going. Verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a high fast sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifier of the flesh. What does that mean? When, what Moses devs were doing, Aaron, it was effective to a certain dimension. Okay. It was able to sanctify to the purifying of the flesh so that God and man can still have a relationship. If the goat's blood, bull's blood could do that, this is a rhetorical question. The next, que- the next verse says, how much? How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Shall the blood of Jesus. Shall the blood of Jesus. Shall for the last time, the blood of Jesus. Amazing. The next verse. <laughs> Excuse me. For this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant. Luke chapter 22, verse 20. He said, he took the cup and he said, this is the covenant. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. He didn't, he didn't just die by accident. He was, he was busily instituting a covenant. So before he died, he told them communion. He took, he took the cup, he gave it to them. He said, take this. This is the cup. He said, this 
is the, uh, this cup is the new covenant in my, where is the new covenant? In his blood. That's why he had to die on the cross. Because the dying on the cross was enacting a covenant. Producing the blood of the covenant. And he is the mediator. Who is the mediator? Someone who stands between two parties. So who are the parties? God and man. Jesus. So he says that for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant. By, by means of what? Death. So those who tell you his death doesn't matter, they don't know anything. Because by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, what does that mean? All the bulls and the goats and the sacrifice they were doing, they were not taken away. They were just covered. So he actually had to die to go back and cleanse all that. <laughs> wow! He had a historic effect and a future effect. Why? Because it is an eternal redemption. An eternal redemption steps out of time. Anything that falls within time is covered by it. It's an eternal redemption. He redeemed Abraham. He redeemed Moses. He redeemed Elijah. He redeemed David. He redeemed Jeremiah. He redeemed Elisha. He redeemed Isaiah. Just by the blood, by the work of the cross. Let's go to the next verse. It's getting uh, verse 15 again. We haven't finished. And those who are called by, uh, uh, that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Verse 16. We can go and go and go. And there's so much in it. For where there is a testament, there must, oh, 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 this is so sweet. Hmm. I need to take a deep breath first because ah, this is doing something to me. I just love the word of God. He says that where there is a testament, well, what is testament? It doesn't make sense. I think we should do the New Living Translation. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Let's read it. Let's go. Ah, so what's a testament? What's a will? No, no, no. When, when, how many of you, I, I don't want to ask that question, but many of you, I know you don't have a will. Maybe your dad has. Your mom has. Many of us, our parents don't even make a will because they don't intend to die now. Now you know what I'm talking about. Will. Will. If my granddad or my dad who is passed, if he had a will, do you know if I have a will now, it won't work? Why, why won't it work? Really? So what, how can my will work? I must die. Ah, okay, let's see then. Put it on the screen. Now, let's go. Because if there's no death, the will doesn't work. So what's a testament? It's a will. The New Testament must be established on blood, death. That's why he had to die. To make a will for you and I who have become Christians. Wow. The New Testament simply means the new will. We will. He had to die so that the will can now, you can cast out devils. 
Now you can claim the blessings of God. You can believe God for favors. You can pray and heaven is listening. You don't have to go to Jerusalem to be able to approach God. Wherever you are in any part of the world, if you kneel down and say, Our Father who art in heaven, our Father who art in heaven. <laughs> Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Please sit down, I need to finish this thing. Is it not sweet at all? Sir, can I ask you a question? Why are pastors wasting time talking about so many other things when we can enjoy this one? It's not fair. It's the, if you're a Christian, the Bible does something to you. It's, it's like they are pouring condensed milk inside you. <laughs> if you can't find what I'm saying, or you find it boring, it's a sign you are not born again. You are not one of us. All right, let's go back to the text. <laughs> oh, I love the word of God. Now, when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that the person who made the will is dead. Uh, message Bible. Okay, verse 15. Is that the same thing? Please, where are you? Hey, 60. This one is too long. Like a will that takes effect when someone dies, the new covenant was put into action at. Is, is it making sense now? Yeah. His death marked the transition from the old plan to the new one. Counseling of the old obligations and accompanying sins and summoning the heirs to receive eternal inheritance that was promised them. He brought together God and his people in a new way. By his death. Let's go back to the 17 in the hour on 17. Verse 17. No, no NLT. All right, let's, since we are there, let's stay there. Let, let's stay there. Let, I'll come. The will goes into effect only after the person's death. Whilst the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into Is there no common sense? Yeah. So I have a will. It can't be put into effect. Let's say I will my car to him. He has to start praying that I die. <laughs> Yeah, before I can have it. Yeah. So if I was Prince uh, King Charles, I'll be praying for the queen to die. Yeah, because if she doesn't die, I can't get it. That's why people don't let you know their will. Because you wish them dead. Like <laughs> okay. So now, there must be death before will is put into effect. The verse 18. That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. Because there must be death. Covenant, the covenant of forgiveness of sins will only be put into effect when death, blood speaks. Next verse. For after Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of the calves and booths along with water and sprinkled both the book of God's, God's law and all the people, um, and all the people, speak on all the people, um, using hyssop. So that's how he went around it. Go to the next verse. We are going, we'll get to the verse 22. Then he said, this blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. 
That's how the, the, the rituals is trying, trying to bring the reality in the New Testament, pull it out from the Old Testament. The next verse. In the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. Next verse. Aha. Uh -huh. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Uh, uh, you see that big word? You see that big word? Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Huh? Without the shedding of blood, there's no let's start sleep early. <laughs> but without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Let's all say that together. One more time. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. For the last time. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So what was the debt we owed? Our sins. And what's the punishment or the payment for our sins is what? Death. So someone needs to die. So Jesus Christ said, you know what? I told you forgiveness of sins must be earned. So Jesus said, I want to earn it and pass it to you. Now, what qualifies him to do that? Number one, he is not the sinner. Because if the blood of the goats could give them temporal cover, because not their own blood. Their own blood means they are dying. So it would give them temporal cover. That means that the blood of Jesus could give them eternal cover. Why? The blood of goats are lesser human beings, lesser beings. So a lesser being cannot pay. You cannot use five pounds to pay, five pounds to pay 100 pounds problem. But how about 1,000 pounds to pay 100 pounds problem? Can you use 1,000 pounds to pay 100 pounds problem? Yes, you can pay times 10. And Jesus' blood is like 1 million pounds. And your, your, your sin is like 100 pounds. But the blood of goats is like one pound, chicken and chips. So it seems to cover you a little bit so God can have dealings with you, then it wears off. Within at most a year, it's gone. So they have to do it again. Then it goes. They have to do it again. Then it goes. They have to. Then Jesus brings his one million pounds cover and underwrites your forgiveness. So Bible uses this phrase: "You were saved by First Peter chapter one verse nineteen, the precious blood." The Bible used the word. Precious. Say precious. precious. Say precious. precious. Is there anyone here called precious? I think there's someone called precious or something like that. Precious. Precious. By the precious blood. Hallelujah. Amen. The blood of Christ is in the sight of God. Ooh. It's so precious. He saw the blood and his wrath against sinners was appeased. <laughs> it's called propitiation, remember? Yes. He saw the blood. According to Romans chapter 3, verse 20, 24, the blood of propitiation. I peace God. He's seen the blood. It's a precious blood. So when he died on the cross and he said, it's paid in full, that means the debt we owed God had been paid in full. Now, when he resurrected, he presented the blood on our behalf. So <laughs> let me do this and then just move on. In Hebrews chapter 7, Verse 16 is a very, okay, I think verse 14. Ah, verse one, no, verse one is too far back. Uh, 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 okay, let's take verse 14. Uh, verse 14 is fair. I don't go too far because it will take a lot. 
How many of you know the tribe of Judah? How many of you know Jesus came from the tribe of Judah? Some of you don't know. You say, yeah, but you don't know. There are 12, 12 tribes in Israel. Every tribe had its special assignment. You can never be a priest if you are not from the tribe of Levi. So you must be from the tribe of Levi to be a priest. If you are from the, like in the royal family, you must be in the bloodline to be. All right, that's how it is like. So to be a priest, God has dedicated the priestly office only to the Levites. Levites. So you must be from the tribe of Levi, all right, to be entitled to. So uh, let me show you something quickly. In Luke chapter 1, in Luke chapter 1, verse 1, 2, 3, 4, somewhere there. Let's look at it. Uh, let's go to verse 3. Verse 3. Seem good. Okay, verse 4. Uh, uh, verse 5. Okay. Now, there was, in the days of Herod the king, a certain priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. His wife was also a daughter of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. So, also, a priest means that he's from the Aaronic line, mm -hmm. Levi. You know, that's when God said that the rod is Aaron. Yeah, so you need to be, there was time, there's a king, um, God spared his life, and he, he became so proud, no, um, Uzziah. And he decided to go into the temple to offer incense, and that's the job of a priest, not a king. He said, please, you are, you are not a clergyman. Second Chronicles. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed the, against the Lord, his God, by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Look at the next verse. On the altar of incense. So Azariah the priest went after him. And, uh, uh, and with him were eight priests of the Lord, valiant men. The next verse. And there withstood the king Uzziah and said, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron. Do you see this Aaron? Yes. The sons of Aaron who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have trans uh, trespassed. You shall, you shall have no honor for the Lord your God. <laughs> what you are doing is wrong. You, you are a big man. It doesn't mean you can burn incense. You must be from Aaronic tribe and appointed. And so Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah, was a priest. And it's now his turn to go into the temple to offer sacrifice and incense. So that's the way it is. So for you to be a priest, you must be from the tribe of Levi. For you to be a king, you must be from the tribe of Judah. Because David comes from the tribe of Judah. So tribe of David was never a priest, but he was a prophet. So you can be a prophet and a king, but you can't be a king and a priest. You can be a prophet even and a priest, but king and priest, you, it's tribal. It has to do with your tribe. Prophet is not your tribe. So David came from the Jew, tribe of Judah, and so there was no way you could be a priest. Now, J Jesus is the son of David. So that means he couldn't be a priest. Jesus is not authorized to be a priest according to the law of Moses. He couldn't be a priest because he's not from the tribe of Levi. He's from the tribe of Judah. He can be the lion of the tribe of Judah. He, that's his name. He can be a king, but he can't be a priest. But he's supposed to offer his blood as a priest. So now there's a problem. 
there's a problem. Hey, what are you doing here? You are not a priest. There's a problem. The devil said, hey, see, I got you, God. I got you, baby. Hey, I got you. God said, you didn't understand my system. There's not only one priestly system. There are two priestly systems. Watch, watch this. There are two priestly systems. One is based on the law. The other one is outside of the law. It's based on a certain criteria. The one outside of the law met Abraham. It's called Melchizedek. At, that, at the time he met Abraham, there was no law. Okay, let me show you this. I told you I didn't want to go to verse 1. You made me go to verse 1. You made me go to verse 1. Why are you doing that to me? Why? Look at my time. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1, now this Melchizedek, <laughs> for this Melchizedek, watch this, king of Salem, before Moses, there was someone who was a king and a priest. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed Abraham. Quickly, let's go. Verse 2. To whom Abraham also gave tithe. His tenth means tithe. Those of you who don't give tithe. Gave tithe. Tithe path of all. First being translated king of righteousness and also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. So he was actually a king. So there are, there are certain special type of priests who are outside of the law, which was once mentioned in the Bible by Abraham, and met Abraham, and it was never mentioned again. Mm. Now, but look at the story. This is getting interesting. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? With this Melchizedek, without father, without mother, without genealogy, you know what genealogy means? Who gave birth to who gave birth? Without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but was made like the son of God, remains priest continually. So that means that even when Aaron was priest, there's this guy who remains priest continually. But he wasn't doing Aaron's type of job, so Aaron continued. But there's another layer behind this priestly. <laughs> but this doesn't sound like a man. Who is without father? Who is without mother? Who is without genealogy? Who is without beginning of days and end of life? This is Melchizedek. As though that was not enough. Let's look at the verse 4. Now consider how great this man, Melchizedek, was. To whom even the patriarch Abraham gave tithe. Wow. Now listen. Tithe is authorized to be collected by someone of spiritual weight. But so long as Jews are concerned, the highest person in, with spiritual order and weight is Abraham. That's why Jesus challenged them when he said, before Abraham, I am. Yes. Abraham? Before Abraham? Look, when we are going to talk about the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew, yeah. look at how they start. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. It says that Jesus Christ, the book, the, 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 the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of... You have to trace him to Abraham. Other than that, it's not genuine Jew. Look at how it started. Look at it. Verse 2. Abraham, Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, Judah. You see the line of Jesus from Judah. From Judah. Not from Levi. From Judah. Judah. Judah, and, uh, Judah Perez, and Perez, 
Hezron, Hezron, Ram, Ram, Abinadab, Abinadab, Nashon, Nashon, Salmon, Salmon, Boaz, Boaz, Je- Obed, Obed, Jesse, Jesse's De- King David. He's the only one who they added king to his tit- title to his name. Jesse, David, the king. David, Solomon. So you see, J- Jesus, D- David is in the line of Judah. Jesus is in the line of David. That's how they traced him. But now watch this. So it started from Abraham. But why not beyond Abraham? He said, oh, we are Jews. We don't deal with. So for somebody of Abraham's stature to pay tithe, hey, Abraham paid tithe. Who did he pay this tithe? We have to look for this. This person must be serious. This person must be a dawn. What? Abraham paid tithe. But you know, it wasn't something they were deliberating on because it was way above them. So they stayed with the law. Now, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 7. Uh, is someone learning something at all? Yeah. Hebrews chapter. Now, consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave tenth, a tenth of the spoils. Next verse. Indeed, those who are, who are the sons of Levi, see Levi here? Yeah. Levi, who received the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law. That is, from their own brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. So what he's trying to say is, so look at the text again. He said that indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi, these guys who came from Levi, who are collecting the tithe, okay, uh, who received, I told you, only Levi who received the priesthood, who received the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithe from the people according to the law. That is, from their own brethren, though they have all come from the loins of Abraham. So it's like you are not different from us, but yet the law said, take the tithe from them. You dare not say you're not giving, you are breaking God's law. It's just like a police officer stopping you and say, oh, but you were in school together. Hey, no. He's operating under the law of the land. Levi operates under the law of God. You dare not break it. So Levi becomes so important in Jewish culture. They are the priests. Very important. They were the ones who said, kill Jesus. Very important people. Powerful people. They are stronger than politicians. They ordained priests. They ordained you as a priest. They were very important people. Then they represent people before God. Now let's look at the text again. Look at the next verse. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them. Um, rise up. So this is Abraham. These are the sons of Abraham, including Levi. Do you know that Levi cannot collect tithes from this one? Why? Because he said he was from the loins. So you can't collect tithes Abraham is the spiritual Ubu. He blesses all of you. You can come and collect tithes. You have just been favored to collect tithes from your brethren, not from Abraham. He says that, but there's another person whose genealogy is not derived from them. He received tithes from Abraham. He received tithes from Abraham and blessed Abraham who had the promise of God. This man must be very big. Abraham. He said, that man is, look at it, the next verse, look at it. Now, beyond all contradiction, the one lesser is blessed than the better. So the one who blesses, that's why when the pastor says God bless you, don't say God bless you too. 
Beyond contradiction, it takes the one who is higher to issue blessings on the one. So for this man to bless the one who paid the tithe means that he was greater than Abraham. So what it means is that the priesthood under the law is subject to the priesthood of Melchizedek. I'll prove it to you from scripture. Now look at what the Bible says. Verse 8. Look at verse 8. Here mortal men receive, but there he received them of whom it was witnessed that he lives. So this man received tithe from Abraham, and they said this man lives. It doesn't have beginning of this, end of this. Look at the next verse. It's getting interesting. Even Levi, who received tithe, paid tithe through Abraham to this one. So to speak, technically speaking. Because if Abraham paid tithe, and he was inside Abraham, when Abraham was paying tithe, he was also paying tithe. Wow. Oh, no, no. It's there. Look at the, the next verse. For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met Abraham. Wow. So that means that when Abraham was paying tithe, when you pay tithe, even your children who are not born, they are also submitting to the blessing. Is this not interesting? And however, the Jews never spoke about Melchizedek. Why? Because he's way above what they can even understand. So the Bible, we appear to Abraham, and that's it. He went into obscurity. Before, years later, they instituted the law, and the law brought this Levi. There had already been a, a certain priest who is a king at the same time. Look at the next verse. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitic, Levite, say Levite. Levi. So Levitical means from Levi. Okay. If it was from the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should arise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? Because if this one was doing the job, why is the need for this? Yeah. Because this is doing the job based on the law. Do you understand that? Now, now let's go on. The next verse. Is it going to interest? For, for the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. What does that mean? The way God has been dealing with his people, it used to be under the law of this. Now, if the priesthood is changed, that means that the law is also changing. The system, that's why the Old Testament system is different from the New Testament system. The Old Testament system, you must be a Jew. The New Testament system, you must be in Christ. The Old Testament, the Old Testament system, you have to physical temple. You have to go there and sacrifice. In the New Testament, where about two or three are guarded? Wow. So if there is a change of priesthood there of, I like the word, necessity. In, if of, if of necessity, there must be a change of the law. Look, let's not go to the next verse. I told you, I was going to read from verse 16. You guys made me go to verse 1. Verse 13 says that, For he of whom these things are spoken, talking about Melchizedek, belongs to another, sorry, talking about Jesus. Jesus belonged to another tribe. Of which tribe no man has officiated at the altar? Tribe of Judah. You don't officiate at the altar. But this thing we are talking about, this Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, he belongs to another tribe. And the tribe which belongs to, no one has officiated at the altar. So where, where, on what grounds is going to officiate at the altar now? Look at the next verse. For it is 
It is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. They didn't speak about priesthood. If you want to be a priest, you have to come from the tribe of Levi. But now the Bible is saying Jesus is a high priest. That's a problem. The first time it was mentioned is when he was raising the case about high priests in Hebrews chapter 5. We are already in 7. In Hebrews chapter 5, every high priest is appointed unto man. Then verse 4, no one takes this honor upon himself except the one who is called by God, just as Aaron was. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. So Christ did not glorify himself to be a high priest, but it was he who said unto him, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Look at the next verse. He also said in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. That's when they dropped Jesus' priesthood. Your priesthood is not according to the order of Aaron, but according to a different order. That order is compatible with kingship. And that order is not based on law. Your appointment is not based on law. If it's based on law, then it's here. But this one, no law appointed him. Bible says that he's without father, without mother, without genealogy. He just is. <laughs> Can we finish this thing? I, I want to raise Christians who, are, who appreciate the Bible. What is a Christian who doesn't know the Bible? You are a paper tiger to the devil. So, watch this, watch this. For Judah, uh, for Moses never mentioned anything about law concerning, uh, sorry, uh, 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 priesthood concerning Judah. Never. Look at the next verse. This is getting interesting. It's like, did you realize that it's like a legal case? It's, this is argument. No, it says that, and it is far more evident that in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest. So first one, first point is, it is evident, verse 14, it is evident, verse 14, it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah. He came from here, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. Then he said, it is far more evident, evident that if, after the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who has come, not according to the law, the Ten Commandments, the law God gave, according to this one's priesthood is based on the law. It's far more evident that if there's a raising another priest back, if it's far more evident, it's far more evident, it's far more evident, far more evident that if in the likeness of Melchizedek, there, there arises another priest who has come, not according to the law of fleshly commandment, but according to the power of a life that cannot end. Watch this. That's why the resurrection plays a role. Because when he resurrected from the death, he has conquered death. So he has this life that cannot end. So then his priesthood defies this one. This one is small. These ones are all small. The kingship and everything. The, even the king of the Judah line is subject to the priesthood. Because that, that kingship and all that is in Abraham. Abraham is higher than all of them. And all of them in Abraham submits to this. So he's saying that Jesus' priesthood is based on a, not a flesh, law of fleshly commandment, but it's based on the 
power of a life that does not end. It's getting more interesting there. Look at this. Look at the next verse. For he testified, you are priest forever. See, God testified that this Jesus, you are a priest for how long? Forever. What do you mean by forever? Why? Because he doesn't die. You are for after the order of if you remember Melchizedek, he's without genealogy, without mother, without father, without beginning of days or end of days. So Melchizedek is a strange personality we can't explain. A human being who doesn't die. A human being who doesn't have mother. A human being who doesn't have father. A human being who doesn't have beginning. Are you describing God in a human's flesh? It looks like, it looks like this is the description of God when he became man. And not when he became man and was eating fish and chips, but when he resurrected from the dead. After he had resurrected from the dead, that is that Melchizedek. It is Jesus in advance. He was, he said, without mother, look at it. Without mother, without father, without genealogy, without beginning of days, nor end of life, made like remains priest continually. You can't change it. Why? Because his priesthood is based not on law, but on what? The power of endless life. Okay, verse 18 now. For no, for, sorry, for, for on, the, on the one hand, there is, uh, this word is too complex. Let's do the NIV so it can be easy for some people. For the former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. What's the former regulation? The former regulation of commandment, the covenant of dealing with God was, it wasn't bad, but it was weak and useless. Look at King James. Look at King James. That's why King James sometimes shows you. But there is, there is verily a disannulling of the commandments going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. I like that one. That sounds very powerful. <laughs> uh, unprofitable. It wasn't profiting us. This law thing, Ten Commandments thing, we, they tried, but they couldn't. Couldn't, it couldn't make them closer to God. Romans chapter 8, verse 3, it talks about, for what the law could not do. So you see, when it says it is weak through the flesh, that is why it's unprofitable for man. Because of its weakness, not that the law was faulty, but it was the flesh issue, it was weak, and it, was unpro- it wasn't helping man, it was actually hurting man. So now going back to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 18, Verse 18, it says that for one hand there is the annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitable. It was weak and unprofitableness. Look at the next verse. For the law made nothing perfect. Is it true? The law trying to obey it, and you see, we rather disobey it. The law made nothing. On the other hand, the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we cannot draw near God. What's the better hope? The one Jesus, where's Jesus? The hope, Jesus. That's why you are in church. In spite of your former sins, you can still draw near to God. But watch this. If we are under the law, some of you are fornicators, you should be stoned. 
the way you have been fornicating, you would have died a long time. Because the law said, die! That's why it's not profitable for us. I need help. I need help. Then Jesus comes on the scene and dies to pay for your sins and says, come, I will take you to God. In fact, in first, second, first, second, first, first Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it talks about how Jesus, first Peter chapter 3, Christ suffered once for all, for what? For sin. The just for the unjust. Why? That he might bring us to God. Hey! So what did he suffer? So that he can bring us to God. So it's not based on law, but based on his death, his blood, and the resurrection that he can bring us to God. Now we can go to God not based on the law. That's why from the beginning, God said, put the law in the box. Put the law and put the blood on the box. So when I see the blood, uh, let's, let's finish Hebrews. Let's finish Hebrews. So, better. Look at verse 19. In as, much, in as much as he was not made priest without an oath. In other words, he was made priest by an oath. God made Jesus. God made him a priest and swore. Can you imagine? Look at the next verse. For they have become priests without an oath. That's talking about these guys. They become priests without an oath, but based on the law. But he, with an oath by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are priests forever. After the, Have you noticed that's appeared three times, this statement? Yes. It God swore you are priests. So his, his priesthood was with, with an oath. Or God swore. With a swearing, go swore, I swore. Ah, nothing will change it. Other than so, yes, you're born a priest. Okay, follow the law. You do it. Follow the law. You do it. But this one not based on law, based on an endless life, and then with an oath. God swore. Now look at where it's going. We'll be ending very soon. Look at where it's going. By so much more, Jesus has become surety of better covenant. Surety, look, let's look at a, a living translation. Let's find out what it means. Sure. Because of this oath, Jesus is made one who guarantees the better covenant with God. A surety. You know, when you are signing documents, you need a surety, a guarantor. Jesus has become the guarantor. He underwrites our communication, our relationship with God. That's why I said, this is the cup of the new covenant. When you come to him, it's a new covenant. And he's the one who underwrites the covenant. We have a priest who is the mediator between us and God when it comes to the new. If you want to use the Old Testament, you can go. But if you want to get to God, come to Christ. And he will mediate. He will mediate. He will mediate. Because when it comes to the law, you can't stop sinning. So that's going to be a problem. But when it comes to Christ, his blood is eternal. Anytime, you're always covered. You come and forgive, you come and repent, and you're always covered. Now let's finish this thing. Verse 23. Also, there were many priests. Why? Because death prevented them. I've told you this before. Every year, or every time, Queen Elizabeth is gone. Prince, uh, King Charles will go in a few years. William will come, he will also go. Uh, is it Charlotte or what? George. George will come. <laughs> George will come, sorry, uh, uh, um, Harry. George will come, he will also go. Others will come, they will go. That's why there are so many kings. When you look at the history of United Kingdom or Britain, many, many kings of England. Why? Because no one can stay permanent. 
So, but look at this. That's the same with the high priest. But he, because he continues ever, he has an unchangeable priesthood. He, he's just there. Verse 25 says, therefore, he's also able to save fully those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Can I end on the, la- the next verse? He says, such a high priest is fitting for us. Ah. Hallelujah! He said, such a high priest is suitable for is it not suitable for you? Yes. Because this high priest doesn't have to offer blood sin for his own self, blood for his own sin. He said, this high priest fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefined, separated from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. Wow. Such a high priest is fitting for us. Aaron, your, your job is good, but it's nowhere near, so sit down. You only sacrifice blood of bulls and goats, sit down. Now, when you see Jesus, you see Melchizedek, after the order of Melchizedek, anyone who wants to be in that priesthood must be without father, must be without mother, must be without genealogy, must be without beginning of this and all of this. You are disqualified. And that priest does not change because he abides forever. Such a high priest oh, is fitting for us. Shout hallelujah. Did you receive something? I believe when you go back and you are reading Hebrews, this time you're reading with a different. A lot of pastors don't read their Bibles. That's why they can't teach. And it's a problem. The problem of the body of Christ. People think being a pastor is just about position. I've been in church long enough. No, no. Your rod must be able to bat. You must have ripe arm on to feed people. When you sit under the ministry of a man of God, you must develop a taste for the word of God. Else you have not been ministered to. Genuine Christian ministry rises, generates a taste for the word of God. Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another Destiny Changing Word by David Entry from one of our revival-seeking youth services. If you want to control your world, catch the word. Be blessed.